Hats? Hang on, I need to burp. Hiya, mate. Hats? Hiya. We're on the way to Nando Holiday Road. <laughs> there you go. All right, so we uh, seem to be on the road again, and, and I have no idea if, if this uh, audio is going to be as atrocious as Marundi, but I've made a few adjustments on this little thing. Um, you want to tell people where we are headed for episode 22? 22. Um, we are headed, well, what can I say? We are headed to northern New South Wales to a farm. Yes, uh, I yes. I don't know what all we can say because I don't know what all we can say because we've, no, well, we've still got to meet the guy. We've met the guy before, but well, I just want to confirm what he's comfortable with. But we are northern New South Wales to a cow farm. We can say that. That's not too doxy. Is that the technical term? A cow I would farm. Say cat, maybe cattle farm? Yeah, I would imagine it's a cattle farm. It's a cow. Everybody knows what. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a cattle a farm. A cow farm. Jesus. Hang on. You, tur- you turned up in thongs. I knew you would do this. <laughs> I knew it. Um, I'm Australian. <laughs> All right, we're going to we're going to a cattle farm, and Brendo is wearing his thongs, and it's really wet. <laughs> so hats. It's been raining all month, yep. and you're in your thongs. That's all right. It, anyway. um, I won't get wet shoes then. Mm-hmm. But hats actually made me go back home and grab some boots, some gum boots. So they're in the back of the car as well. Um, but who knows? You know, maybe. Wellies. They're not gum boots. They're wellies. Oh, wellies. You know what wellies are? Nobody will know what wellies are. Yeah, Wellingtons. Yeah, okay, well, you do know what they yeah. Paddington Bear wears them. Yeah, Wellingtons, exactly. Wellies. Yeah. Gumboots, stupid name. Paddington Bear is a child's story. Yeah. And you're not a child? No. Okay. Um, yeah, right. Okay, so this is, uh, what, an hour and a half? Uh, yeah, something like that. Maybe, to go. Um, really looking forward to it. Um, hopefully we don't get bogged in the mud somewhere. My car. No, we're taking my car, right? We should have taken your car. The um, well, I, I actually, you know, when we were deciding which car, I looked at both of our tyres and I went, "Oh, yours are a bit bigger than mine, so we should take yours." Huh. You never mentioned that. All right, okay, fair enough. So we, okay, um, if this is so, this is what's good about this is we have done. This will be our well, sort of third in person, but this is the first. Yeah, because we whiz and also and also the guys at Marundi. Oh yeah, true. Uh, um, but this has been the first one we've actually gone to somebody to their thing, so that's cool. I, I'm really excited by that. Like I'm, I'm not like I grew up in the countryside, but I am by no stretch a farmer, and I don't know anything. So we're going to sound particularly idiotic in this one. Um, I'm actually looking forward to if there's uh, any blowflies around, and, and just to see how you freak out. Oh yeah, shit! I don't like flies. You don't like anything. I don't, I don't like anything. You're right. Um, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, about an hour and a half, and and then we'll we'll be back. Go. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Hats. Are we going? Yes. Brando, how are you? I am very well. Where are we? We, we made it. We are in um, mid-north coast, New South Wales. Inland a little bit. Inland a little bit on the farm with Owen. Hi, Owen. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thanks for having us to the house. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about your personal story, but then also talk about the farm. Um, and then also talk about what you think about future and anything you want to touch on on just Bitcoin and generally. Um, so, but first of all, because you've you've just told me that you had to spend a bit of time time in Thailand, 
I'm just going to do a price stamp in Thailand because we think Bitcoin is for everyone. So, uh, oh, one, cool, yeah. Yeah, it'll be like a million and something, I guess. Yeah, 1.536794, just jumped massively, point something, 29, um, up 0.14% on the day. So we're having a bit of a downturn just now, but Thailand's doing okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so could you talk us through a little bit uh, pre-Bitcoin um, and your previous career? If you're however much you're willing to talk talk about, um, and then we'll, we'll go into the, the transition into what you're doing now. Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It's great to have you guys here. I'm keen to show you around the farm a little bit later. Uh, met you guys down at the Bush Bash, uh, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I was. Um, some of your listeners might have seen me back when I was sort of on Twitter um, under my full name, and talking about all sorts of stuff and getting learning about Bitcoin and then but I've gone a bit quiet and having my account suspended was part of that but um, <laughs> getting <laughs> going a bit quiet um, and been hanging out on the farm here for the last year and I'm um, pretty excited to be fulfilling some dreams here in terms of doing some organic and regenerative farming um, producing some good beef but yeah I worked in uh, organic farming mostly in certification and regulation stuff for on and off for the last 20 years really and all, that all in Australia no, I was very fortunate to be able, and this leads well into how I got into Bitcoin. I traveled extensively through Southeast Asia, especially, and the Pacific. And um, um, so I was able to meet, that was, to do, that was visiting organic farms, mostly um, doing organic inspections on farms. So um, went eventually did 35 countries. So over the last five years, up until this year, I was overseas most of the time. And... Um, going to lots of different places developing countries especially and seeing how people's understanding of money worked like uh, and seeing how the currency changed like one one example is going to burma to myanmar and i went several years in a row and and it's you know it only had just opened up recently myanmar and developing rapidly but no credit systems there yet like people don't know what a credit card what they're starting to learn now and don't really understand how that works and a currency that's just devaluing terribly i don't know what it's at now i haven't looked recently but i brought some cash home accidentally from from myanmar on my first visit the the jiat um because you couldn't change it and i didn't realize you couldn't change the currency you at that point i don't know if you can now but you couldn't change myanmar jiats outside of the country so it's a totally closed currency okay so I accidentally had a few thousand jets and I took them back next year and the value dropped by half. Oh, wow. So that was one little so example. What do, so what do people do in country? What do locals do? Well, they carry shopping bags full of paper money. Yeah. But do they, <laughs> so hang on, but they can transfer to other currencies in country? Or, uh, or you, no. Really? Well, I don't know. They use US dollars there a lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yes, you can do currency exchange inside the country. Yeah. yeah. So basically what you're saying is um, that people instinctively understand that the value of their currency is going down yeah and they and they, and they talk in us dollars they yeah. go to whatever they feel is the stronger thing for them to hold yeah exactly the same as we had from you know turkey people from lira go to gold and us dollar it sounds the same yeah camilla colombia colombia absolutely yep. so people are people instinctively get this we might not get it in australia and it was um, only by coming home and waiting for a whole year and then going back and and then realizing that it mm. devalued by the full 50 percent in that time in so, 12, 12 months yeah it was, it was roughly that yeah yeah. and because we are not seeing that well we might be seeing it soon but we're not we haven't <laughs> seen it in you know anybody's living memory particularly um, in a country like Australia um, people are not as aware so 
I've been talking about this quite a lot recently, is we have to be, th- these are, these sort of situations are um, leading indicators of where we are going. Yeah. And people should be paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and I, I literally, please. I literally saw people carrying shopping bags full of cash. Like that's how they would do big transactions there when I first started going to Myanmar. And in later years, that's when credit systems started opening up and they had all, all these incentive schemes for to get people to start using credit cards, including big discounts at vendors, like 10% mm. off at vendors if you use the credit card and no interest was being charged initially but these people just didn't it's just a totally new concept that mm. of credit so mm. i think they're all going to end up in heaps of debt and that's how the economy will grow there but yeah that was just one little touch point for during my travels and other examples are when i spent a lot of time in the pacific as well and in vanuatu um, while i was there one year in vanuatu they were changing the coins so changing the coinage and everyone was talking about it because they only had um, a certain amount of time to bring in the old coins and it was pretty short deadline so there were, there were like villages um and tribesmen coming in from the remote islands because vanuatu has like 83 islands or something uh with backpacks full of coins that they had dug up like they had them in a crate buried yeah. and they dug them up to take them back to get the new coins to create the new coinage wow. um and just the, and the some of the some of the um another one in vanuatu that was related to money that got me thinking about it was um they would uh, world vision had done some good stuff and some less good stuff over there but one of the things they did was a savings account for uh, one community and there would be literally a box that they'd put the money in and usually they were saving for school fees that was the main thing because they don't really need money otherwise they've mm. got everything they need is just outside they've got the pandanus and the, they've got the coconuts and they've got as food everywhere um for the most part in in vanuatu um so, but the money is for the school fees. So they so they do have a job here and there, and they save up when they can, and they put the money into this vault, which had two keys, and the two village chiefs would have a separate key. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's multi-sig. a multi-sig, <laughs> multi-sig vault, the original. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, sorry, can you date that for me? When was that? Um, this is really recent. There's there's still there's probably still projects like that happening. Mm-hmm. Sort of, um, I was there um, between five, yeah, about five years ago. Over the last over the last sort of seven years, I was doing all the travel. The last couple of years, obviously, I've stayed in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So, have you always had an interest in sort of money and economics? Then, like, well, kind of. Um, I always had a good bullshit filter, like I and was always looking into things further. I was a bit of a smart ass kid at school and uni, and wanted to look into things and um, and farming. I studied agriculture, so and learning about agriculture, how conven- conventional in inverted commas, um, modern maybe you should say. Um, agriculture was was uh, a lot of it was sort of seemed like a scam to me like you would end up having to use more and more synthetic chemicals and you'd end up in a contract to have to buy seed again next year and it always seemed like a scam and so i was you know into organic farming um so um the economics no i wasn't that interested in in uni really um but as i sort of started scratching deeper and deeper and obviously came around to the conclusion that bitcoin is or the money is the 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 main the underlying problem with so many of the world's problems um so focusing on fixing farming or focusing on fixing social aspects uh it's just never going to work because we've got a broken money um underneath so the interest in economics came later once i'd gone through sort of phases of of interest in what what the biggest problems in the world were mm. and um although there's a bit of a background with money like um, my grandfather was campaigning for monetary system reform i found this out later and he used to, he had these pamphlets in his garage that were all about how there was one called treasure island which was this little brochure you can find it online it's um 
uh, uh, where some guy they, they all end up on a desert, deserted island and and they're like oh my god what are we going to do and and uh, and then a banker arrives and he's like it's all right I've got a, a barrel full of gold well I'll bury it here and I'll issue you these notes and it's this whole comic about it and mm. I remember seeing it when I was a kid I didn't know what it was about it was a really boring comic yeah. but um this was produced by some Canadian group in the 60s and he yeah. was it was all for monetary system reform so I don't know what my grandfather would have thought of Bitcoin maybe so maybe I'm building on his work yeah <laughs> don't know. It's uh, interesting. I don't know if you saw the thing recently with Canada, um, where the uh, the level of debt under Trudeau is now greater than the level of debt under all exist all previous prime ministers. <laughs> so it just shows you this. This is a problem that's been. It's just come, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so we are. Uh, yeah, it's it's it goes from manageable to less manageable to less manageable, and people get more and more distressed because of it. And it's getting now to the point where it's really significant for a lot of people in, and it's not, but it's not happening in our country first. It's been, to, it's happening probably in the, some of these countries you visited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the the money system is like at its base just totally a scam. So, and it it you have to create more to ever be able to pay off the interest on the last bit that was created. So, I got really interested in that as the biggest scam that I'd ever found uh, was basically fractional central banking and fractional reserve banking. Um, so uh, the the and I was interested in that because I was watching shows like and coming back to my travel like another thing that all that travel involved was a lot of time in hotel rooms mm. in in Asia in the Pacific and I, where you get RT I don't know if you watch much RT Russia Today oh yeah apparently it's the world's most watched TV station it's broadcast in Spanish and French and and English and and whatever so and on there so this, that's Max Kaiser yeah, Kaiser the, yeah was, the yeah, Kaiser report yeah. so I started watching the Kaiser report in like 2015 mm-hmm. and I just loved it just soaked it up it was like markets finance scandal and just uh which is their their slogan and um and then that's where i started hearing about bitcoin and and then when i looked into bitcoin i was like oh this is this is the answer it was just so obvious that that's what i've been thinking about central banking and fractional reserve banking for a few years and then and then found bitcoin and it was very quickly very clear that that it had the power to to fix all these problems Mm. Mm. in very true bitcoiner fashion when we've skipped straight over the regenerative <laughs> farming and gone straight to money in Bitcoin. Sorry, yeah, that was... So, um, oh, no, I'm still talking about my history about how I oh, got to okay, here. Okay, so we're right, getting right, there. I'm just doing it a long, <laughs> long-winded way. Um, um, yeah, so also it, with the travel, like Papua New Guinea, it was interesting. They still use, well, mostly for ceremonial purposes, but they still store value in pig tusks and in shells in Papua New Guinea. Really? That was fascinating to see. Pig tusks? Pig tusks. They've wow. got a pig tusk central bank on... Because um, <laughs> they're scarce? Or yeah, yeah, well, you got to grow a pig, right? Right. Yeah. So proof that of work. takes ages. And low, low time yeah, problems. it's absolutely proof of work. And yeah. the shell money, the PNG shell money, is the same as the carry shell. So they're hard to catch, and they're limited in supply. And then you have to actually polish them and work them in a oh, certain wow. way. So the ladies sit down and do that for days, and end up making a, a ceremonial, but also very much a value for for dowry and stuff like that. Um, but the pig tusks, yeah, that would apparently that evolved from a live pig being a. a a proof of work a way to pay for something um and then it sort of became a bit more symbolic it was like actually the the monetary premium in that pig's worth more than all the meat and stuff hanging off it really really what we're talking about is the work that went into that pig and that can be pre- represented by the length of the tusk mm. so the tusks became the money yeah wow yeah and that they're still in use i just found that fascinating so the tusk is the blockchain yep right <laughs> like how many blocks is in a tusk 
right? <laughs> so it is. Well, they could be very scarce on these islands too. Like there would be not many pigs on these islands. So that's how that's, that they valued this uh, pig tusk central bank at so many billion US some some years ago. Really? And then, and then I heard terrible talk of they were talking about trying to peg it to the to the Vanuatu um, currency, which I was like, no. But uh, yeah, so they start um, printing pictures of tusks. So your economics um, interest. Um, was that so that's also that's also the ag stuff some of that was university but the economic stuff is self-taught? really came after 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 yeah self-taught yeah, yeah. and using doing safety course and just uh, just consuming podcasts like crazy yeah yeah so um i was going to i haven't really answered your question have i i'm completely it's okay. go, go your own way it's um, fine we'll how do we get to here how do we get to here so that's more how i got into bitcoin um but always had that interest in farming yep and um are you from a, fa- a family of farmers? Just small farms. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, never really very commercial. Um, so hopefully I can be actually commercial and successful on this one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, always had the dream of doing some farming. This was actually plan B though. So I was going to, um, at the start of 2020, I was going to move to Thailand and I would had great plans of using that as my base and go to a bunch of um, Bitcoin conferences around the world. I already had my schedule planned out for 2020, uh-huh. going to all the different conferences. And of course that, and I was in Asia in February, 2020, when uh, all this COVID stuff uh, happened. And I was uh, made the decision to stay here in Australia rather than go to Thailand at that point. I'm not ruling out leaving the country. Um, that's for sure, especially depending how the our authoritarian government go. But this, uh, and I was going to do some organic farming over there. But um, instead, I made the decision just a year ago to to buy this place and give it a go here. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've got this small, just 13 acres here, uh, not far from the coast, so good rainfall and, and raising some cattle and, and uh, chickens and doing a bit of gardening and, and getting involved in the community and trying to um, teach people who are interested about Bitcoin locally as well, which is good. It's a pretty alternative community here, so yeah. it's going well. And yeah. not, not only is it a beautiful place, it's got a lovely breeze and the smell that is coming out of that oven. Oh, it's, that's what I said. It's a beautiful uh, yeah, it, scenery, but the standing downwind of the oven is the oh place to God. be. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, brisket. That's your own? Um, yeah, yeah. That's okay. He was processed a few months ago. So I'm getting down to the lower end of the freezer from the last uh, animal we processed. So the, the briskets are at the bottom, but that's going to be good. So it should be ready in uh, an hour or so. Yes. All right, excellent, excellent. All right, what else? Do we want to go on a tour? Or like, have you got more to say about your kind of background sure or? no i'll show you around that'd be good uh, we've had a lot going on here so um you've been planting some trees and things it looks like yeah so we're doing uh, a heap of tree planting the place has been pretty bare or was was pretty bare when i got it so there's not a lot of shade for the cattle um not a lot of wind break um so i um have found a local designer to help me and we put together a plan for pretty extensive tree planting on the place so putting in about a thousand trees and uh which is good we did that as a community exercise as well so we had like 18 people locally just come around and uh, which was really nice to get to know the community get tight with the neighbors how does that work i mean how did how do 18 people arrive that was just friends of friends um we were going to do a bigger one through the land care but it was sort of getting delayed and i really wanted to get them in the ground so i just kind of we, we figured we'd just need 10 or 20 people and i sort of counted up just people i know and we're able to get that many so and good. that all somebody will call and one day you'll go to theirs or oh, you've, already, you've yeah. done that already or yeah no that's definitely how it works around here it's a great community it's really surprising how 
how supportive people are really welcoming um so even though there's much fewer people perhaps because of there's so fewer people here than in a major town or major city people seem to genuinely care about you and it's been pretty welcoming there are a few exceptions there are a few old timers who have just told me to fuck off to Mm -hmm. where i where i came from but for the most part everyone's been really welcoming and supportive and if you help them out they'll help you out and yeah there's food everywhere and there's always little social gatherings and there's yoga in the hills which is lockdown resistant and uh (laughs) stuff like that so yeah it's a good place to be but yeah let's check it out let's go for a wonder awesome all right so uh we're kind of uh moving Yes, I'm recording this time. <laughs> Hats has decided he wants to check out uh, this little area on the way to the dam. Where are we, Hats? Uh, we're at the veggie patch um, and flowers, and I just want to know what's here. Yeah, go on. So, what what is this, Owen? Yeah, this is Mum's garden. Um, Mum's got I've got a caravan on here for Mum. She comes and visits, which is great. And so she's got a bunch of I don't actually eat veggies myself, but um, it is good to have this garden though, especially for when guests are here. So we've got cucumbers and capsicum and kale. The kale's a bit late; it's getting a bit for that but it actually it's pulling through all right and a bunch of herbs and flowers and um other stuff here is that corn over there yeah that's my garden which looks a lot worse as you can see and i just grew zucchini and squash and corn there's still quite a bit of corn coming on because i planted it in over over a period of weeks so there's still some corn cobs almost ready yeah um so vegetables can you tell me you don't really eat vegetables yet you have to talk about that yeah, so I've not really eaten vegetables for four years now. Um, I kind of had some health problems and gradually moved on to paleo and then went sort of keto and then eventually ended up in basically carnivore and it just works very well for me. I think I'm fitter and healthier than I've ever been and if I eat veggies for a few days in a row, I get joint pain in, in my knuckles and toes and so as yeah there's a lot of poisonous stuff in all plants like of all the plants that are out there there's a tiny tiny percentage that we can eat and even those ones are still poisonous to a different extent to to different extents and it's like oxalates and lectins and isothiocyanates and all these uh, poisons that are in plants and you can cook them out um, as or soak them out to an extent but really animal protein animal fats where it's at so that that raw vegetable argument that's not not particularly valid you know i think I think that's like just a terrible diet. People, I see people putting kale into smoothies and stuff, and and it can actually like it can give you kidney stones and severe problems uh, for some people. Um, others, other people seem to be able to cope with it, but I definitely can't. Were you fully aware of um, the the eating the vegetables and immediately feeling the problem? Like, how, how did it take you a long time to realise what it was, or? There's a bit of a lag time with my symptoms. It's about three days of eating vegetables. Like, I'm sore all the time, and I eat lots of veggies. If you have any ailment, there's a very safe um, uh, modification that you can do, and that's going carnivore, and try it for two weeks or try it for four weeks if you can, and just see what happens. It's it's perfectly safe to completely delete plants from your diet and just live on steak and eggs. Uh, You won't have any all that vitamin C and fiber and all that you don't need any of that um, so it's worth a try if you've got problems if you don't have problems then don't don't uh, feel like you're being having it pushed upon you but for anything like inflammatory or um, pain arthritic pain or dig- digestive as well um, carnivore diets incredible yeah right I've got lots of problems just ask hats yeah you do have a lot of problems not all to do with your diet but um you know I uh I uh, recently just went towards biltong as snacking, and um, yeah, I've lost a 
bit of weight and I do feel better. Energy levels are higher. I don't I, like I was very I was probably see all this stuff on Twitter and seeing, you know, maybe thought it was a bit of a, you know, the state cult or whatever. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to join that. And then you you, ref, you sort of reject, 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 you re- reject. And then you go, well, these guys were right about some things. So let's give it a go. Now, I don't know. I, I have no idea. But I've, I, I'm, that's what I'm doing now, chewing biltong as a snack. And I feel better. I've lost a little bit of weight and I feel better. So I, I don't know. Let's just keep going. Jerky, jerky is the ultimate snack for long drives or something. All you need is jerky. Um, but yeah, the it, it's totally a fad. Um, mm. Like keto was a fad and paleo was a fad, um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't mean there's not some good uh, signal in there. And it was um, so four years ago when I first tried it, it was uh, guys like Saifedean and Jordan Peterson and various uh, and Michael Goldstein, like these guys from different spaces that I was following on Twitter um, from different areas of expertise. I mean, who were all doing this thing, and they were some of the smartest people I'd ever come across in my life. And I'm like, why are they all doing this? And uh, that helped uh, lean me towards giving it a try. And then, and then, um, yeah, it's it's been good. Did you like jerky or anything yourself? No, I haven't made any jerky, but I definitely want to. Because yeah, as as you're about to see, we're um, processing beef here for for ourselves and friends and family, and. Uh, that's um, so I've got a big freezer and a backup generator in case and um, processing a, a beast every every month or two or three and uh, jerky something I definitely want to get into making. Sweet. All right. What's next? Okay. Um, that's the boundary just there. Yeah. So I have a neighbour. Funnily enough, I have the most one of the most chemical intensive neighbours and I'm an organic or slash regenerative or whatever you want to call it kind of guy but um, and next door as, as luck would as fate would have it I have a, a fairly uh, conventional neighbour next door but that's alright Do you get nervous when the breeze is up? Uh, not really there was one time when he was spraying and it was coming directly into the house and I had guests and I lost lost my shit at him and we've been getting along a lot better since then <laughs> Okay <laughs> Is this this is a hundred percent of your time, or are you still working in Fiat World as well? Yeah, I've still got some consulting work to bring a bit of cash in. This is not yet a profitable operation, but hopefully one day I might need to add chickens to the mix, uh, egg production, uh, regenerate eggs. So because that'll work in really well with the grazing rotation here, it's a perfect farm for for producing some eggs. So uh, I'm just trying to work out whether to make that capital investment and and find a good uh, staff member to, so that I don't have to personally collect eggs every day. Uh, is Regenereggs your term? Because that's bloody awesome. Uh, thank you. Yes, it's one of mine. It's trademarked. No, it's not. But uh, <laughs> please don't steal it. That's, yeah, Regenereggs and Beef Back Better are my two brand names. There is a guy. There's a guy or guys near where we are that build things called chicken caravans. Yeah. Have you yeah, seen yeah. the ch- Have you seen the chicken caravan? Yeah, I'd love I'd love um, a couple of those basically, but um, they're quite expensive. They are really good. But the um, they mo- that, the idea is the sorry the idea is they move around the farm basically. Yeah, that's how I'll do it. All the the chickens will follow them. So we're just down here near the near the cattle now. Uh, they're all camp. They're all sitting down, which is pretty good for mid morning. It means they're well fed. Some of them are uh, shooing some buffalo fly. There's a few about at the moment. You can see some of their uh, shooing with their tails, but. What about the scratching the head on the tree? Is that a similar thing, or is he just itchy? Uh, Rudy just likes to do that. They love scratching their head and their neck on stuff. If you put any sort of any logs or stumps, or I was digging some holes for the tree planting the other day, and he went straight in there, started rubbing his head, and then getting right down on his stomach and rubbing his neck in the soil. So, yeah, it's just one of their natural cow behaviours. That's awesome. So, uh, which one are you eating next? 
Uh, that little one, oh, is that him? Yeah, so he's the, the first one there, basically. So belted Galloway, he's still only small to medium. He's the closest one here, facing side on there. What's his name? Uh, he doesn't have a name, he's just number two. Oh. He was only the second steer. On can, I, can I name him? Yeah, sure, that's fine. Hats. <laughs> Hats has got a limited uh, lifespan left. Then. Uh, I might show you, I'll show you the bit of the tree planting here. Yeah, sure. Sorry, yeah. yeah, I mean, so you've got 13 acres. Um, how many cattle can you keep on 13 acres in this sort of country? I've got 12 head at the moment, um, which is a little on the high side, and I'll destock a bit through winter. So we have summer dominant rain here, and there's just stacks of feed now, but in the winter you can run short of feed, so I'll probably reduce that back down to about half that number, uh, or get some more land if I can rent lease or reduce some more land in the area. Um, no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, no, go for it. Um, so, what was I going to say? You just... Oh, no, if I don't turn around, that's a good idea. Um, you, the idea is you don't ever want to be having to bring in feed to feed them. You want to be off your own land, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's um, Even during the driest period in the winter, you don't want to have to buy feed. Well, for my sort of setup, because feed's very expensive. So I'd rather destock and have enough feed without bringing it in, or you end up going broke pretty quickly. And in terms of your neighbours, um, is there, do you share land? Can you, um, do you, could you like, you know, adjustment and things like that? Could you do that? Or do people want to do that with you? I'm hoping to. Um, and I think once people see how I'm managing the cattle here and managing the land, they'll want to have me use their pasture rather than other people. So that's what's happening. So yeah, there's 40 acres over here on the river that's currently leased by somebody else that I've got my eye on. And next door here, there's 11 acres which I'm hoping to get some cattle onto at some point once uh, once we do a deal. Adjustment, you only pay a few dollars per head per week for grass, so there's not a lot of money in it for the owner of the land. But then again, the main reason they might want to have cat someone else's cattle on there is to keep the grass down, otherwise they're constantly mowing. Like at the moment, you have to mow every week here. It just grows so quickly. Okay, so what are these big white tubes? Uh, so we're looking at three rows here of tree guards. So they're a paper tree guard with a little hardwood post holding each of them up and um, planting. It's really an agroforestry design. I actually engaged a, a local guy who's originally from Spain who has, a, I think his business is regenerative agroforestry, but it's like the Spanish. So it's regenerativa agroforestry or something. And um, put together a plan for the place here because this place has hardly any trees on it. It's very bare, not a lot of privacy from the neighbors and not uh, any windbreaks or shade for the cattle. Um, so we keyline plowed the whole place, which is similar to contour plowing to help the water infiltrate. Um, Sorry, I didn't, but contour plowing, like what, what, what is that? Uh, so keyline plowing is, um, well contour, a contour is like on a contour map, it's like the uh, a line on a map that's the same level, so we're roughly at the, the 10 metre contour here, so it's those squiggly lines you see on those on those uh, forest maps, and it's just a, a horizontal, so equal, equal. Uh, what's the word I'm after? Altitude, Altitude thank you. Um, and key line design is was actually discovered by an Australian farmer, Yeomans. Um, there's a lot of Australian um, regenerative and organic agricultural pioneers over the years. Um, who are famous worldwide. One of them's P.A. Yeomans. He came up with the keyline design uh, for farming. He wrote a book called Water for Every Farm, and it's sort of a drought proofing by cultivation. So 
key line plowing is putting a plow through, so a, a tillage implement, so just scraping the soil or cutting into the soil, running across the slope. But you actually do it in a way that it's similar to contour, slightly off contour. So the water that's coming down the slope hits this um, groove in the soil that's perpendicular to the slope, but it's actually pointing slightly downhill to the ridges. So you actually run the water onto the ridges, out of the valleys into the ridges. And that's, so we, we keyline ploughed the whole place to improve the water um, retention on the property. And then here we planted a belt of mixed natives um, in what you would describe as agroforestry uh, design. So uh, to produce cabinet making timber and building materials and um, firewood over the years and provide shade and biodiversity and habitat and windbreak. Um, so we're looking at, yeah, a bunch of different like grey gum, black butt, um, there's acacias and forest oak and river oak and a range of stuff here and we put all these in basically in one day which is good they're looking at about 200 trees here and putting another belt in on the other side of the property right now another 200 or so so this will i think will add value to the property and give the cattle some shade and and one day provide building materials for people i don't know whether i'll still be here by then but it's a pretty low agriculture the time the time scale for that like what would you be before you could start harvesting something you're planting here obviously we've got little saplings just now but um like how long would we be how long would you be looking at before that's even possible? Yeah, it's a pretty, agroforestry is a pretty low time preference um, endeavour. Um, so I guess some of these acacias you could use for firewood within sort of five to 10 years, yep. but then the bigger timbers you're looking at 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Well, there's tallow wood in here. So that's a big tallow wood over there. That's probably 100 years old, that one. Yep. The one that cows just scratching itself. No, way over, way over near the river. Oh yeah. That big tree. Yeah, so eventually some of these will be like that. Um, but yeah, that's not for 50, 60, 80 years. So. <laughs> how much longer have we got until Bitcoin's more? <laughs> Bitcoin will be worth how much by then? Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, do you want to tell us about this trailer? What is this? This structure here has is becoming famous in the area, apparently. I've uh, dreamt for a long time about building my own cattle supplements trailer with a back rubber. So it's just a rusty old trailer, which took months to find for 150 bucks. So I found the right rusty old trailer. And then um, with my fairly poor welding skills, added a frame and a roof and some tubs. And uh, That's not poor welding skills at all. That's awesome. Thank you. It's surprisingly easy, it turns out, MIG welding. And this is a call. So the tubs are just for different supplements for the animals. Um, and it's a choice feeding a choice feeder they call it so they choose what supplement they want so they go in there and just take their pick yeah so the one will have salt and one will have limestone and another one dolomite and sulfur and copper and just some natural um, different remedies that might help their intestinal health or or whatever or might help them get rid of any worms that they might have and they do seem to somehow know what they need so that's the theory with the choice feeder and then this bit hanging off the back here that looks a bit like a hessian hammock is a back rubber so it and that's a barrel of um, some natural oil that has some citronella and other natural essential oils in there which comes down this tube and so this is soaking soaking wet with um smell that one Oh, that's what it is, eucalyptus, no? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, it's a mix of essential oils. So they come in here, as soon as I put it here, they started using it. They get their head and neck under and rub 
grub under here and it, and it keeps this one one of the main pests we have around here is buffalo fly which is yeah, just like yeah, a small yeah. smaller than a house fly so you've got the a tap on that at the moment yeah, or do you i've just noticed the tubes come off but oh, yeah, yeah that yeah. i just turn the tap on um for a few minutes every few days to make sure this hessian's soaking and then they come back in and they wipe it all over their back because they learn that it it repels the flies so maybe this will get me through summer the buffalo fly are only a problem in the summer and um so far so good it's definitely working but whether it works to enough of an extent to not have to use a chemical treatment will depend on the animal welfare if the if they're actually because if the buffalo fly get very bad the the cattle get very annoyed they're constantly having to shoo the flies and they even can get wounds like open wounds under their eyes so it's, it's a it's a nuisance that can actually be really um buffalo uh, problem. fly damage can be really bad it can make the, they can lose condition because they're so bothered that they're not eating enough and they can have open sores from these little blood-sucking flies. But they're only a problem in the summer and so far so good. But if, if it gets, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it, it works. Um, well, you know, we've only got a month or two more to get through. But if you have a, a week of really hot days, then at the moment it's fine. You can see some of them shooing with their tails, but yeah. there are hardly any. So that's a big success so far. Yeah, sweet. Hatch, you got any questions? Yeah, well, did they originally just use it as a scratching post and then realise that it's helping them, or what? Can you do you know? Is it, like how do you how do you determine that? Yeah, I think they whenever you put a structure in the paddock, they'll come and rub their head and neck on it and stuff. I think that's. But as soon as I put this here, Rudy, the the big boy here with the white face, he just as soon as I put it here, just came in here and started rubbing his neck on it, and then and then the big bull I had on the place at the time came in and just parked it so this so this uh, bit of hessian is sort of hanging about a meter from the ground and it's hanging like a hammock might hang he came in and just put it over his neck and walked forwards and walked backwards this big bull is just walking forwards walking backwards walking forwards walking backwards he loves it they just instinctively they do it i don't know why that's awesome so sorry cell or sill grazing uh cell c-e-double-l -L. that's just one of the names um there are many different names for this approach to grazing um, like holistic grazing management and adaptive multi-paddock planning and cell grazing they all kind of mean similar well some people disagree but they're all quite similar in the what you do is you run one herd or as few herds as possible and a high stocking rate but for a short period of time and then you move them on to fresh pasture and you give that grazed pasture time to recover that's the the common theme the common thread among all those methods so that's what I'm doing here so these guys get moved every few days Yep. onto fresh pasture and and when they uh when the when the grass is getting a bit short they'll they'll tell me that they're ready to move by by mooing but they're all happily munching away at the moment yeah so what is uh what does your dog think and your dog's name is <laughs> geordie geordie named after jordan peterson he loves it here he loves farm days the best really yeah he doesn't like office work days very much very boring which i agree with so and they, they seem like very inquisitive creatures they're like just sussing us out and Cam. Like we're, we like? Yeah. Oh, they're calm. Yeah. We're like five or six meters away, and they're just they're coming towards us. Oh, oh yeah, they'll come. Oh, she's a bit. She doesn't like Geordie, so she's trying to scare him away. Oh. Actually, so we probably, yeah, he'll he'll run away and cower soon. But um, yeah, they're really timid. I so I work with them every every day or so, so they're very quiet cattle. Not all cattle are like this. You shouldn't necessarily go up and try to pat cows if if they're um, they can be quite wild and quite dangerous yeah. but these guys are all pretty chill. There's one right next to Hats and he looks very nervous. <laughs> yeah, are she... you nervous about the long grass Hats? No, no, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, wow! Oh man, he's just taken after the dog. That was awesome. Does he do, yeah, does he do that a lot? She, um, she, sorry? she doesn't like Geordie and 
she's <laughs> just charging him and I, I once I was a little worried she might actually catch up with him uh, fortunately he's a pretty good runner so Geordie the dog was just yeah, sprinting away and now he's keeping a safe distance but she uh, she's not one of my <laughs> and uh, she's got a real ca- personality yeah right. And now at the moment that I've got their surroundings, I think it could be some coordinated attack about about to happen. <laughs> yeah, well they're all headed that way now. <laughs> so your your sound grazing is good for both the, the cattle and for the land. Yeah, it's amazing. So um, one of the pioneers of what he called it holistic grazing management is Alan Savory. Some of you, some and some of your listeners have come across him. I'm sure. I'm sure Alan Savory uh, came up with this approach to grazing to mimic natural herd animal ruminant grazing where a group of wildebeest or whatever would keep in one group because they were surrounded by predators. So the safest place to be is in the middle of the mob so you don't get picked off by the predator. And that's how on natural grasslands, you know, historically the grasslands would be grazed and they'd stay as grasslands. Uh, Yeah, there are benefits for the animal health. Uh, One of them, for instance, is breaking up the disease cycle. So if they have any worms um, and they, shit on one area then they move on to the next area they're not eating their own shit which uh, stops some worms getting worse and huge benefits for the productivity that's that's the thing it's more profitable you can get way more productivity you mentioned stocking rates before you can you can actually stock even higher rates here um, if you're doing tight cell grazing because you um, you're on the steep part of the curve in the in the grass production so grass um, is it grows in exponential way, yeah. uh, so it's an S curve. The way the way by, by cells divide, it, it, it becomes exponential. So you, if you've always got your grass really short, um, you're always at that slow part of the growth stage. But if you've always got your grass growing throughout the middle of its life, then it's the most kilograms per day of biomass getting sequestered. So there's more photosynthesis happening. So by using cell grazing, you yeah, you're looking after the animals and you're improving your productivity. So it's cell grazing, not actually the general adopted method is it is it fairly unique yeah the the still the main stream farming approach is still what you what you might call set stocking which is just to say okay we just run one cow every 10 acres and just leave them in there all year and it degrades the land it's clear as day uh it degrades the land it means you have to rely on using uh, medicines for the cattle to kill the worms instead of just moving them onto fresh ground so that they don't eat the worms and the worm eggs that are in their manure. Is it is that method more friendly to say industrial farming, or it's more scalable or something? Like what, I'm trying to work out why people are doing that as opposed to something like this. There's more people every day doing cell grazing, and there are even some big commercial farms going that way, especially in drier situations than here, um, because they're seeing that it works. But still, I think it's still not taught at university and stuff. Set stocking still. So uh, as to why, well, you do need more fences and you do need more watering points. So especially on bigger properties, fencing can be expensive and watering points can be expensive. So uh, if you're having more small paddocks, then yeah, you need more fencing and more water points. They're the only downsides I can think of. But some of those big cattle operations, they only round them up a few times a year. Uh-huh. Um, and with my operation here, I'm moving them every few days. Yeah. So it's a different approach, but uh, it's gaining more and more popularity because it's just so obvious. So it also improves the land because you're getting all that organic matter 
Well, and manure and nutrients back into the soil and trampled into the soil and then you give it a big rest period. Yeah. Um, so Is it right to say like you, the more you see above the land, the more the, the longer the root system below the land. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And every every time you prune all that all that grass gets eaten off the top, then the roots prune as well. So you're delivering, but that's a good thing. You're delivering all that uh, carbon and sugars and nutrients to the soil profile to feed the microbes so coming back to the one of the problems with set stocking is that you'll have more worms in your cattle so then you drench the worms and the other thing so drench is like medicine you, you give a poison to the animal to kill the worms and some of the more modern poisons are not as bad but a lot of them still kill the dung beetles as well so you have this so with conventional farming you end up in this chasing your tail situation where you're using more and more inputs so you've got to use the drench because you're not managing your grazing right. The drench kills the dung beetles, so then you've got more manure in the paddock, so then you get more worms, so you've got to yeah. use more chemicals, and that's just the same. It's the same can be applied to, to vegetable production and, and grain production using conventional, in inverted commas, methods. They just seem to end up relying more and more and more on, on inputs, on synthetic inputs, and end up more and more and more in debt, and with less and less soil carbon every year. And this is the, I like to think, the opposite of that. So would it be fair to say that you're just trying your best to mimic nature? basically and we're not cleverer than nature <laughs> oh here we go we've got a scratcher oh yes that, what is this what's her what's her name uh she's um i don't know her name she's adjusted on here she belongs to a neighbor or a local a local professional cattle producer but yeah she's just using that back rubber but she's putting her head over it and pulling down which will test my welding again <laughs> but anyway <laughs> Um, what was your question, Hats? Um, it was... What was my question? Uh, uh, mimicking nature. Mimicking nature, nature. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's what the, um, the, the rotational grazing or cell grazing um, is based on, that, that natural process of grazing grasslands of wild animals with the predators. So instead of predators keeping them in a mob, we use fences to keep them in a tight mob. Yep. And ideally, I'll be moving them every day. Um, but that becomes a bit of a labour burden. I move them every few days here. But look at this pasture. I mean, look at all the different colours of yeah. flowers. A lot of these would be called weeds. You know, but there's some Scotch thistle and and um, some purple top, and there's uh, paspalum, and there's some Parramatta grass. That's actually a noxious weed. It's terrible stuff. But they knock it all down. If you get the stocking rate high enough, even if they don't eat it, which Parramatta grass is pretty not very palatable, but even if they don't eat it, they'll trample it. Mm. So everything gets an even graze and. Another problem with set stocking is the opposite of that. They will always go back to the most tasty, most nutritious bit of grass and they'll hammer it and hammer it and hammer it to the point that it dies and you end up with a paddock full of weeds. And yeah. you can see it it's, you can see it in the paddocks as you drive through the country. Perhaps you'll see on your way home that some paddocks are full of fireweed, the yellow one. Yep. And, and it's just fireweed and no grass. Yeah. And it'll often be a horse paddock. It looks pretty though. I've <laughs> driven past and go, oh, look at that, it's lovely. Yeah, but there's just no feed in there. So the, uh, but so you can the, turn that around in you can turn that around in one season just by going cell grazing. Yeah, well, and no fertilizers used, no herbicides used, just the animal impact and some fences and some water points. And they eat most of this, yeah? Pretty yeah. much? Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that they're really not well, they won't eat the they probably don't eat the fireweed. Or yep. the Parramatta grass. Okay. It's a pretty bad weed, Parramatta grass. It's uh, noxious. You, you, it's legally you have to control it somehow, and most people spray it, but it doesn't work. It just gets out of control. It's all about grazing management. I'm pretty confident I'll get on top of this Parramatta grass here. Isn't that one of those things you feel out in an airport? Have you been on a farm in the last so and so days? Because isn't that, you know, potentially in your shoes and seed, like bad seeds and. Yeah, the I'm not sure exactly what one that is, but the biosecurity bi departments um, who 
I've worked with the Australian Federal Biosecurity Department a fair bit in my previous job, and they're just paranoid bureaucrats. Um, so, who like to find problems that they <laughs> yeah. want to try to control, and that can be yeah, it's sort of sim- you see similar. Stay similar, employed. Yeah, so that's right. Keep their job, and don't be the one person who was in charge on the day that some terrible new thing arrives in the country but in reality looking back the most of the terrible new invasive species that have arrived in the country have been brought in by governments like the cane toad and the camphor laurel tree like and recommended by the government departments to plant them on your farm so (laughs) i don't have a lot of faith in biosecurity um laws yeah have you noticed um other than uh two idiot podcasters rocking up and wanting to talk to you have you noticed has there been farmers local farmers interested in what you're doing there's already a pretty good movement of organic or regenerative or organic-ish farmers in the area. So yeah, I've very quickly slotted into a network locally. And you, in both ways, you go to see them and see what they're up yeah, to? Yeah, well, I volunteered on a couple of farms. So I help out other people and they help out me, but it's been amazing. It's just fantastic. If I ever need to do some cattle work or what, oh, there's always someone that can help and vice versa. It's just all uh, arrived at my doorstep. Um, Does that seem tend to be barter economy, essentially? You have there's them. a lot of that around here. It's fantastic. Um, and in terms of of wanting to get out of large population centres and have that resilience at the moment, which I think is really important at the moment as we're seeing with all this COVID nonsense. Um, there's so much food here and there's so many lovely people who, who want to live a little bit out of the system as well. So, um, yeah, we're doing a lot of bartering eggs and venison and different types of beef and um, lamb and pig locally and and hay and, and swapping labour. There's sometimes people need to help with the harvesting a garlic crop or you know in return for this and honey and there's all sorts of food in this area it's great so what would your advice be to the consumer somebody who's living in a city maybe um because you know that's where the vast majority of the population is to in terms of in terms of uh what they should be buying where they should be shopping uh, you know how they manage how they get the best the best quality for a value that's affordable for them well i think i normally uh so pre-covid scamdemic i would have said um buy certified organic and that's that's been my field of work for 20 years and and if you are still just going to the supermarket then from an environmental and health point of view and wanting to support good farming that's still the best thing that's available easily to you is to look for certified organic look for the logo and buy that but these days with um inflation and supply chain interruptions and border closures and and shortages and i think we're going to have more gluts and shortages with with all more central planning planners trying to get involved Um, i'm now suggesting that you find your local farmer Uh, even in the major population centers you don't have to go too far to find a farmer's market go to the farmer's market meet the farmer and then if the farmer's market's a bit far just develop a relationship directly with with that farmer find a cattle grower find an egg person find veggies find fruit if you eat that stuff Mm. and um, support those farmers um, by buying direct Okay, so um, water source. You have a, we're down the bottom end of the farm now, and you got a good full dam. We've had a bit of rain here recently, so can you talk us through that and and how important that is to your operation? Yeah, sure. So I'm so close to town here that I'm fortunate enough to have town water, but it is expensive, and I don't want to use as much of it. So um, one of the things when you're looking at property is water. It's really important. Uh, water access and structures are sort of the three main things because they're really long-term things that are hard to fix on a farm easily. So water access structure. So I've got great access here. The water, I haven't... I'm, sorry, I'm right saying you, put some, you dug this out yourself? Yeah, yeah. So the dam, um, there was a natural little valley here yep. that wasn't yet 
blocked off in any way so I it was asking to have a dam put in and so I got some local earth movers and talked through a few designs and we've put a dam in here I actually don't know what the estimate in terms of megalitres it's not very big it's just a small to medium sized dam it's only about two and a half metres deep in the middle but yes it's the first time it's full so we built it in the winter when it's drier and uh, just in the rain over the last month it's actually filled up and I will put in a little solar pump and pump up to a tank on the hill which I can then gravity feed back down to all the troughs so we'll have water security here and uh, whether whether it, I think it's going to hold water pretty well sometimes dams can leak it looks like it's holding pretty well um, for the cattle and for watering the trees in winter that'll be plenty for commercial vegetable operation it might it'll probably be enough for a small commercial veggie operation too so uh, then we'll have the town water and the bore and the dam here so we'll be ha having stacks of water so so right now to, to for water for the cattle you're doing that from the town water they're for on, yourself or yeah they're on town water now and that's um, manual like you're having to Oh, I've got it piped in. I've got it piped in, yeah. I just put some poly pipe down. And yeah. and actually, all that stuff's so expensive. The fittings, I spent $600 just on fittings, just on taps and elbows and joiners to yeah. put those troughs in. And not even the pipe. The pipe's kind of cheaper. But um, the other good thing about having a dam is if you're going away for a week or two and you, you I'll put the cattle down on the dam. I'll keep them out of there most of the time. But if I need to know that they're going to have access to water because I'm away, in case a pipe breaks or a fitting breaks or something, then I'll just put them in on the dam. Will they go in? Will they yeah, they they walk in there. They stand up there to the to their belly and keep cool. And yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, that was great. Thanks, Owen. Uh, hot, yeah, pretty muggy but, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. but still yeah. a beautiful breeze. Those cows are doing a little stampede. Yeah, yeah. The dog on, was uh, a bit, Geordie. Did a bit of a run, He was yeah. quick though. Very yeah. quick. And that brisket smells even better. So what's the connection between farming and Bitcoin? Why or, are we, or regenerative organic farming and Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well farming, yeah, make that distinction so, as well and then we'll cross you. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's a really good uh, distinction to make. Um, so farming is the ultimate low time preference activity. Like we planting those trees, as we mentioned, uh, as we were walking around, like some of those won't be ready for 20, 30, 50 years. So maybe I'll still be here. Maybe my family might still be here. But even if that's not the case, well, at least there'll be a good resource here for whoever's here then. Um, but even just raising beef, like um, nine months gestation and then another couple of years before you've actually got an animal to process. So uh, there's similarity with there in terms of time preference. Um, how does bitcoin relate to food well well and farming um i've been thinking for a long time in working with and i touched on it a little bit earlier in terms of conventional in inverted commas so chemical farming so um being high more high time preference behavior because um they're often in debt like enough that was obviously a big problem to me for years that farmers always seem to end up in more and more debt mm. but in a way that's their sensible decision to make like yeah you might as well have a really reliable fancy tractor if you debt if you're debt repayments uh especially now we've got some mm. inflation like it's you're better holding your money in a tractor than you're in holding it in cash. totally at the moment right, right. Yeah, but yeah. that's that means there's this perverse incentive to get into more debt yes and then you might be in a contract for seed or chemical supply so then you're in debt you've got to service that debt so then you you need to get a quick crop out of the ground so you're constantly chasing your tail and that's just a side effect of of the fiat money the debt-based money system and uh, causing problems in agriculture yeah. the can you talk about this the, the contract seed contract chemical contract so a farmer is actually obligated over a certain amount of time to actually purchase 
Especially, well, they might in two ways. Yeah, they'll have supply contracts based on minimum order quantities. Yep. And uh, but also with some of the GMO crops, then yeah, you you agree to buy that seed from them next year, and you're not allowed to save your own seed. It's that bit of a Monsanto thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Bayer, yeah, um, yeah, right. So, in your opinion, do you feel that? Um well, you obviously feel that your way is the the way, and what other people are doing is maybe not right. But do so. Do you feel that the other type of farmer is they they know that what they're doing is incorrect? They're just but it's just that their incentives are misaligned, or they believe they're just trying to look for you know yield, and they're going after whatever they can go after. What, I think the, you're exactly right. I think it's the incentives. Um, it's uh, they're misaligned, leading to misallocation of capital, which is all a side effect of. Um, dodgy capital which is the dodgy money system so yeah and um, I, I think that well, well one there, there's this huge movement towards better farming practices and that really now farmer driven or consumer driven uh, well both. both yeah I guess demand driven but yeah but no no farmers want to destroy their land either but but if they're in debt um, <laughs> or if they need to get you know a quick crop out of the ground or if they're thinking high time preference then yeah they start making different decisions which in my, from my point of view, is misallocation of capital. Um, what, for instance, if, you, if you're in a bunch of debt because you got a really cheap interest on some sort of investment, like a big machine to put a big crop in, um, you're more likely to, if it's a marginal year, like you've got, you've had, you haven't had heaps of rain, so I'm talking not country like this, but country further west where you're maybe in an opportunity, opportunity cropping country so you can't irrigate for instance and so you have to make a judgment call uh, a certain time of the year whether you're going to sow a crop or not because it's going to cost you 100 grand or something to put that crop in mm. in synthetic fertilizers in seed in diesel cost in all of that cultivation labor all that's going to single crop yeah say yeah. yeah 100 grand for to put a wheat crop in or, mm -hmm. or something um, and if you've got a certain amount of water in the soil from reasonable rainfall that year, but you've got all this debt hanging over, you've got cash flow payments to meet, you're more likely to gamble. It becomes gambling um, and try to get a crop out, but and then you don't get the follow-up round you needed. So the better decision, if we had better capital and less misallocation of capital, the better decision might be to hold off that year because it's not a sure thing. To maybe only grow a wheat crop every five years after a really wet summer or winter you know so different decisions are made and yes it's misaligned incentives and it's because the dollar system's broken it's not that they're bad decision makers they're, they're trying to make their best decision but the but the the incentives are misaligned yeah does, does that make your land more resilient to difficult years that we're in australia and australia has you know long periods of dry um so by by doing different like by doing that five-year period of you know waiting for the next wheat crop and doing something else in the meantime does that make your land more able to fight a difficult period of time because of weather? Because the weather is hugely influential in what you do. And yeah, you, can, you so, have no control over that. Yeah, so um, there, there's, the, there's the terminology that farmers will use is like if you're flogging the land. Yep. And people who are leasing country generally flog it. So if you're flogging your land to try to get every crop out, you can because um, you're in a hurry, because you're in debt, then yeah, you're reducing the resilience at and the same time. And because it's someone else's land. Well, that's land, that's a right? yeah, and that comes into private property rights and the important of pro importance of private property yeah. rights. So yeah. there's a lot of this stuff that crosses over with farming. It's fascinating. Yeah, and it was actually I, I'd already I'd been thinking about it for a year or two, sort of 2017, 2018, how the money system is the root problem with with agriculture, and it was blowing my mind um, to think about all these different ways that some of them we've just touched on now about how 
the central banking and fractional reserve banking and artificially low interest rates have led to shitty farming practices and other stuff too, you know, uh, corruption and, and, um, and laziness and whatever else as well. But those being the, the major things that have, that have led to it. And, and I'd come to the, I was pretty certain about that conclusion. I hadn't heard anybody talking about it. And then I was delighted to see at, uh, I went to Tone Vase's conference. Even I know he always just talks about trading, but, but he's all right. I reckon he does, he, he understands uh, the important stuff about Bitcoin. And he, he ran a conference in 2019, um, Unconfiscatable in Las Vegas that I was lucky enough to go to. It was great. I just met so many like-minded people. And Safedean did a presentation. It was the first one he'd done. He'd only just thrown the slides together. And it was how fiat money leads to fiat farming and food. Oh, and he wow. made the connection. I was so excited to see that. He, and since then, he's been talking about it a lot. Yeah. Um, the diet and farming method and, yeah, capital misallocation and time preference and how it all just all behaviors basically because you can you can relate this to everything like we're on a farm today but you could go into you know a library tomorrow or a you know a car yard next day and you could find this same problem it's the same problem um we just need to (laughs) misallocation of capital yes and we need to be able to we need to find different ways to communicate this to different people um well you said that before you've got to find the thing that resonates for that person you know it's not it, yeah. you can't always have the same argument for the different people absolutely because all you're doing at that point is telling your argument like i might have something i care about and i want to tell that because it's important to me but that's not what's important to the person i'm talking to you have to find the thing that's important to them and it's quite i mean you've obviously made the connection here um so Okay, so is that your circle of people in terms of people that do stuff like you, that you do? Or are you spreading it? Because you said there's other local people interested. He's having, Joy's over there having do, a He's having a dream. Yes, yeah, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> That's That's my right. dog's having a dream and he's, right. he's going, yo, yo, he's, pr- he's probably yo. having a nightmare about the cow that chased him. Uh, yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, when he wakes up, you really can't tell if it was real or not. It's funny. He's just like, whoa, what happened then? That's fantastic. Um, where was sorry, oh, no, that's all right. So yes, yeah, the circle of people here. Yeah, there are people locally that are. Um, you said you're you're talking to about Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So it so is a bit you, of an. Are you trying to find their angle, or is their angle very similar to your angle? Ah. Oh well. Um, uh, for for a few years there, I was just obsessed with Bitcoin and telling everybody about it, and running meetups and uh, running webinars and. Um, I wish I could have done more. I always wanted to do more articles and things. But fortunately, there's all these other people doing great work uh, now because I was too busy or too lazy or whatever. But so telling everybody about it, I've been through that phase and now I've moved on more to kind of just if people ask, I'll let people know that I'm not going to argue with people about Bitcoin anymore. It's a waste of my time. Uh, Maybe on fertile ground, if if you know what I mean. Uh, People who who are likely to maybe be interested for some angle. And, and like you were saying, Brenda, there's different different things interest, uh, different things about Bitcoin interest different people. And it's yeah. hard, if you can, if you see there's one little hook, then I'll mention it to people. And then, but if they want to argue about it, I'll just say, I'm not going to argue about it, but if if you want to know about Bitcoin, come to me and I'll, I'll help you. Um, but, and I've just been taking that approach locally. And yeah, there are a lot of people interested here um, for different reasons. Because um, they're alternative thinkers anyway. They're, they're I think inquisitive so, yeah. thinkers. Yeah, but um, it's interesting though because the yeah you, that's probably a positive and a negative. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the people in the hills out here are just total conspiracy 
kooks but then like people from the city will call me that yep. so um there's uh some of them are susceptible to all sorts of shitcoin scams too so i definitely want to help kind of steer them that's been one of my main things is just keep, get people to just hold their private keys and don't be fooled by the scams like mm. that's the main thing don't try to don't try to trade everyone thinks oh you trade me you say you're into bitcoin or I don't say crypto, but they go, oh, crypto, you're trading? I'm like, no. Yeah. Uh, but for instance, I got my, the guy who helped me with the design here for the tree planting, I'm paying him in Bitcoin. Yep. Uh, he was in- instantly interested um, because... So, hang on, can you, you yeah. offered and he said yes? Or Yeah, yeah, okay. I offered, yeah. But that, that's, that, that's it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I bought some honey from a kid that, and I offered both and he chose the Bitcoin. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was interested. He'd heard this and that about it, but just didn't yeah. never had someone to actually tell, to give him the no bullshit story about yes. Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So we so I ended up organising for him and and his partner and a few others. <clears throat> uh, ended up organising because obviously the, the when you offer to pay someone in Bitcoin and it was a few thousand dollars, you know, the job. So it was a bit of money. Um, you also have to kind of teach them sure. to yeah. to hold it safely. So. Sure. So we ended up having a workshop here with half a dozen people where, and I did the full my full four part series that I used to do the what why when and how yeah what why how and when of bitcoin we did it all in one night over a bottle of whiskey and you did it did that at mara the first yeah night, didn't you? yeah or at least a couple parts i think i did the fair the um the what and and why yeah which yeah, is yeah. quite important stuff to me the economic stuff about the history of money and how Definitely. money works and so on to try to get people just thinking about it because you they're never going to understand it all in one session but at least to have some terminology and mm. some sort of frameworks like ideas like scarcity ideas like proof of work and so on but yeah so we ran through that and then they all ended up buying hardware wallets and they're all bitcoiners now which is pretty cool and i'm paying him his his salary for work on the farm in bitcoin awesome. and he's going to hold that for years awesome so, so i mean people yeah. wouldn't necessarily drive through where we are right now thinking there's a bunch of bitcoiners in this nah. valley right well, there I are plan- bitcoiners everywhere yeah. yeah yeah that's right and like organic farming it often takes one person to start an organic farm mm-hmm. uh, i've seen this over the years because i've been to hundreds of organic farms through my work which has been great that's how i've picked up a few things and putting it into practice is another matter i'm still making lots of mistakes but um often it would be the case that there'd just be one organic farmer in an area and these neighbors at all sort of you know tease him or say oh it's never going to work and whatever and all the usual stuff and spray the fence line and all the usual stuff uh, but then eventually you start to see more pop up because they're looking over the fence and they're seeing that it's working mm. so um uh, in a way, yeah, having one Bitcoiner in town, um, and I'm not as, as I was saying, I'm not as evangelical as I used to be about it, but people will still know to ask me um, if they need to know about it. And I think, yeah, I completely plan to, to orange pill all the, all the susceptible locals here. Yeah. Uh, and so far, so good. <laughs> and But that's the thing too, like just to be that person, which we've said before, like you don't have to be evangelical or just bang on about it, but as long as your friends and family know you're the one to go to when they inevitably, every community inevitably needs will have to yeah. Right? yeah 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 and you just have to be that somebody for your you know Circle. couple or yeah, yeah you know family or but it's amazing that it's always the same question it's always the shit coins and the trading and and all this all the noise you know and so and yeah. i'm just brutal about it i'll just and just focus on those things like um hold your own keys and um and just buy a little bit at a time like dollar cost averaging yeah um which i did by the way for two and a half years i bought bitcoin every day yeah and that's the before only way Hass? before Hass? he's the daily dca guy you uh know, yeah probably yeah. yeah yeah well i i introduced you to my mum before she's been in bitcoin the same time as me since the same time as me and 
Uh, she was right there with me when I b- bought my first uh, Bitcoin, and it was a whole Bitcoin. We we both put in five hundred dollars, oh, and nice. um, <laughs> we bought a Bitcoin each uh, on Coinjar. Um, oh, you are me. This is this is my story. Yeah. <laughs> Except I wish I brought my mum at the time. That's it. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and and kept the coin. I'd kept the coin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I bought to spend. I don't know. Yeah. So at the time, sorry, this isn't my thing, but like. Um, yeah, there was a. I like wacky. You know, I like risk. I enjoy it, right? And I, I, I I'm, don't. I'm totally risk averse. But carry on. No, I mean, I don't. I, I, I like to say gamble with, with, with risk. A small percentage of what I have, right? Because I, I find it enjoyable. I'm not talking going on the horses and, you know, picking number six. Um, but, um, but yeah, I was wanted to invest in a little business that was only accepting investment in bitcoin yeah right so that's why i bought bitcoin and i'm you know i actually still have some association with that first business it hasn't been huge super successful it wouldn't have gone up in it's value as much as the bitcoin certainly would have not done as well as bitcoin <laughs> you should have right? stopped at that uh, point of course of course but um but it's interesting the angles that people you know arrive at so it can, everybody can come on from different directions well, i thought it was i thought it just might disappear like i just I had no faith in Bitcoin at that point, as as is perfectly sensible, I suppose. Yeah. When, you, when around that time, and and of course the the punchline to that little tangent story is that, that Bitcoin doubled and then we sold half. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Of course, <laughs> we thought of course, we were great investors, and but yeah. well, at least you're you're better than the majority. But yes, it's yeah, not. It wasn't the smartest decision. Everyone has that like, story, I guess. But, but yeah. Um, see, I don't because I'm I'm late to the game, and and I've had hats to kind of go no 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 just buy and hold buy and hold yeah and dca like dollar cost average it's just but it's not it's not necessarily to get the best outcome because there will always be an example where oh you should have bought then and you Mm. would have more money now yeah obviously that unless you're extremely lucky then you might buy at the absolute bottom but um it's not necessarily about getting the best outcome but it's about getting some sleep and it's about avoiding avoiding panic selling and avoiding the FOMO and nobody's immune to those feelings like you will feel the FOMO when the price is going up and you will panic when well you you will likely panic when the price goes down if if you're watching it so if you're just buying a little bit every day um, price goes up you're happy price goes down you're happy you get more for your dollars that day so it just manages that you'll beat by DCN you will beat 70% of other people that are buying Bitcoin maybe maybe more but yeah. um, you're, you're never going to be the top one person. You're not going to be the top yeah. guy. The top guy bought yeah. at the absolute bottom, which is pure pure luck. And there's always going to be that guy. Yeah. And no, there's only, but there can only be one guy. So you don't expect to be that guy. And just yeah. decent, Everyone just, seems to want to try to. And I yeah. always, uh, good luck to them if they get that timing right. But it's just, there's a very simple strategy for building capital. And, and the benefit about that is that you become you become a more low time preference with your behavior. Mm-hmm. So yes. like I've always, I've never been able to save money in my life until I found Bitcoin. And then I was saved like an idiot for mm. like, totally. like every dollar. Cause you, every dollar you think, well, I could spend this or it could go up. Yeah. I could buy Bitcoin with it. It might go up 10X. Yeah. Like, eh. So it's this huge incentive to actually not spend that dollar, which is how bad I was at saving that I needed to turn me into a saver. Yeah. Um, and and in and in doing so, reducing all the frivolous expenditure and reducing, um, you you wanted to just go out and blow cash drinking or something silly like that just removed all. Partly it was just getting older, I guess, but all of that is gone from my life now. That's a frog in the in the downpipe. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was talking about that. Welcome to the country. Can- <laughs> We've almost had some kind of bug or creature in every pot as well. Oh yeah, chasing yeah. me. This is the frog coming uh, after me now. Um, can I just go back? Just um, just a couple of minutes. You said that you're when you're talking to local people, um, you're trying to keep them away from the shit coins. 
right? You're trying to pr- protect them from the shit coins, and you're very much buy here, hold this. Do, how do they? How do they feel about that? Does it does that not come across as you being you know the pumping your own bag thing? And how do you how do you get the message across that you know what I'm doing for you is the right thing? Have you worked that one out? Yeah, because that's a different um, one. Right? It seems to be if I go through the whole that's the whole course, like that four part course, or at least the first two, the what is Bitcoin and why, um, <clears throat> and talk about the scarcity and the supply rate. Like I get right into pretty complex. Um, economic theories like the difficulty adjustment like the um, price elasticity of supply and a lot of that people aren't going to necessarily recall but at least have terminology and a concept and I'll try to use really simple analogies like a broccoli farmer because especially if I'm in a vegetable farming area um, and how if the price goes up they will plant more broccoli and then in six weeks time they got way too much broccoli in the price dumps i'm like that's price elasticity of supply and bitcoin is the first asset in human history to have a price elasticity of supply of zero yeah. <laughs> so i'm like go i i'm kind of uh try to emphasize some of that stuff and um talk about so it's hard to sum up um because initially at first look it's perfectly understandable that someone says oh well hang on this this shit coin sounds better than bitcoin like like I, and that does and they don't under, so so yeah focusing on the hash rate and the degree of decentralization and the network effect but it's hard to do that all in one yeah you can see the glaze time. appearing over somebody's face when you when you hit a topic that is just of no interest to them mm. I mean it is of, it should be of interest but you're, they're not there yet so you have to find keep going keep, or do you whether you have to I struggle this all the time do you have to keep going and trying to find their thing or should you just make them know that you're the bitcoiner and they'll come to you bit of both if you've got them in the door like over the line to the point where they're sort of interested or coming along i mean another one which is just kind of like a trick is to only recommend i don't know if you're sponsored by particular exchanges no or one. anything on this no one. Um, Hit us up. so no. yeah <laughs> but now's the time bitteroo um, um is to recommend that they sign up for an exchange that only sells bitcoin yes because if they sign up for Coinjar or something, yep. as soon as they go on, they're like, "What's this other Bitcoin SV? And yeah. what's all these other things? Oh, maybe I'll buy." It. And they and well, the, this Bitcoin something is cheaper. I'll get that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, unit bias mm. comes in hugely. So explaining that that's divisible into hundred million satoshis is important. But yeah, that's one trick. Just cut them off at the pass with that, and just get them to sign up for Bitteroo only. Yeah. And when they're setting up their Trezor, just get them to not ins- through that new Trezor suite. I, you can just not install the shitcoin apps. Yeah, or they okay. should do whatever they call modules that yeah so and then they hopefully might just not ask yeah <laughs> yeah i mean not everybody has to be like you know most of us don't understand how the radio works we just understand that the radio works right so there needs to be somebody who invents the radio and there's other, other people that manufacture the radio but most of us will just go to the shop and buy a radio that's the car mechanic analogy too yeah, yeah well yeah. so bitcoin's the same we yeah. need we need the people who understand it. i'm not the technical guy you're you know you're not the technical guy either but um well i mean either well not but, at all, yeah. but other people will, will see you as the one right because you're further down the road than they are so, yeah it's like that you just the more you learn the more you realize you don't know it's incredible yeah 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 it's totally that's like the that. mark of a wise man though the more, well, you, the, opposite more, of the more you learn, the more educated yeah. you are, the more you realise you're not. <laughs> right. That's the opposite of the Dunning-Kruger effect where you, it tends to be people who think they've done very well in an exam that do poorly. poorly but yeah. people that think they've done not so well in that exam who end up doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, it's, and only vaguely related to that, but like one of the things in terms of my travel, I, coming back to that part of the story, I 
was able to go to Bitcoin meetups all around, well, in a fair few different countries, uh, mostly just through Asia. Um, but, you know, New Zealand, Singapore, Bangkok, um, Hong Kong Bitcoin meetups and connect with all these. And I would be, it, this would be a room full of the smartest people I've met in my life. Yeah. And I was wondering for years, where are all of the Isaac Newtons and where are the uh, Copernicuses of, of, and Goethe's of the modern age? Like where those people don't seem to exist anymore. Nobody seems to give a shit yeah. about where the world's going or think about how to maybe fix it. And then I realized they're the Bitcoiners. Yeah. <laughs> all this, and I would be the dumbest person in the room at Bitcoin meetups. And that's the way I love it. That, that's just fantastic. That and I missed that. Before I, missed I, I came to these, these things. Well, I saw only, early enough to, <laughs> only early enough to see in the last um, big bull run, like 20, I guess, late 2016. or No, in 2017 as well. And just all these Bitcoin meetups just totally went to shit. Um, I didn't ask if I could swear on here, but I'm no, 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 please. Um, where yeah, all these all these new get rich quick people would be turning up, and you'd, you'd get a hundred people at a Bitcoin meetup in Byron Bay or something, but they're all just like, I've got ten grand. Which shit? Which obviously they didn't call it a shit coin. Which, which coin should I invest in? Two hundred percent by at a, Tuesday at a Bitcoin meetup. Well, yeah, and then wow. it became called the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency meetup, and then it just oh. became called the cryptocurrency meetup, and the people are actually debating whether. Yeah, and then I was just like, "Fuck!" Because <laughs> the people who made a stack of money out of Ethereum and kind of, well, if, you, if you make a stack of money out of these these scams, then there's a big incentive for you to kind of believe that it that it actually is going to do something. Well, this like is Ethereum. the gambler with the system, right? So any gambler that losing is right. not losing isn't a problem really is a problem eventually but losing to begin with is not a problem winning is a problem yeah um and winning creates a system uh very commas and then a system encourages you to encourages you to double down and eventually you lose the house mm. um, and that's i think that's going to happen to the vast majority of people that do that um yeah and it, it's very dull to buy five dollars a day in yeah on a dca because it's not it's but it's also but it's totally the, proven winning formula yes just over. buy a little bit each day or each week or each month set it up automate it and wait mm. yeah yeah um all right do you want to tell us about your build beef better and regenerate eggs yeah yeah so um i i was kind of active on twitter and stuff but this all this covid stuff um uh, has and the farm has led me to kind of retreat a little bit, but yeah. So I have started a Telegram channel called Beef Back Better, which is uh, obviously named after the Build Back Better global communist agenda that uh, world leaders have been talking about, all uh, uh, coming from World Economic Forum. And uh, the level of coordination there is frightening. It is, right? it, uh, But ScoMo's never said Build Back Better, has he? Uh, oh. I'm not sure. I don't no, but a, so. lot of, a lot of politicians peddle the same thing. They get the, the same they get whatever stuff, the thing is, and it's all about the language and and driving home the same. Your mum's just come in from the rain, driving home that same message because you know we're all dumbasses and we need to hear the same words. I just find it interesting. Like Jacinda Ardern over in New Zealand has used the words, and, mm. and oh, Macron yeah. and Trudeau and all these guys are saying the same damn words: build back better, and it's just like terrifying global communist agenda um and we're on the same path here too and in australia in ways much worse than other countries that's so authoritarian totalitarian here at the moment um by virtue of geographic isolation here i am totally free but um 
the, the, the government and the policies around that are pretty terrifying, but we haven't actually heard the words build back better out of any of our leaders, I think, which is somewhat encouraging. But yeah, so Beef Back Better is my Telegram channel. And if you want to reach out and make contact, I'm not really very active on Twitter or anything, but if you do want to reach out, I'd love to talk to you about farming, um, looking for uh, investors. Established farmers, and, uh, investors, um, people who are already, you know, people who are interested in all, all of that. All of that. Um, and people who want to get a good beef supply or farming experience. Um, I want to get an egg production mm-hmm. enterprise going here too. So yeah, my email is just a proton mail build, uh, beef, <laughs> beef back better at protonmail.com. Let's say that and again. Then what is it? Beef, beef back, back better. better. All lowercase, all one word. Beef back better at protonmail.com. And yeah, and then I'll add you to the telegram group. We'll do some updates from the farm. Just, uh, just little, uh, snippets here and there of the cattle and so on. And you can, uh, join the, the the supplier co-op for the beef and uh, anyone who's into eggs um, also wanting to start an enterprise here um, called Regener Eggs which will be anti-lockdown chickens they will never be locked down even though you may be (laughs) (laughs) but looking for investors especially uh, especially who want to pay with Bitcoin yes awesome (laughs) Um, can I just ask about uh, your positivity like we see all this 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 dystopian stuff happening everywhere but then we also in the bitcoin world you you feel this anytime you're involved something feels positive right um so i mean are we going to win that's my question i guess well we, we are because we have to like failure is not an option and sometimes i get a bit despondent about that and this year there's been times because i was under this covid shit really early like in march 2020 i was like hang on these pcr tests that's not what you're supposed to use them for because i knew about pcr tests because i've worked with biosecurity um uh, and procedures for importing seed and stuff like that um so i was onto this really early and it it was devastating to see policies like covid zero like and stuff like that. oh my god this is it was just and it's astonishing astonishing to see how the stupidity peddled by um our leaders and just by other citizens like everyone i i i called it as mass hysteria in march 2020 and when i was in asia because i could see it it was just this mood everyone was going mad and um and i thought no way would that make it to australia and then i come back in australia and boom just widespread mass hysteria here as well Mm -hmm. and it was yeah terrifying because um um uh, we'd we'd seen all these other things like zika and horse flu and and swine flu and all these things sort of come and go and and um this one really caught people and i even found it sort of caught me in a way i was sort of worried too like it until uh, for a few weeks after a bit of research i was like no this is really not and then i got deep into it for about a year um when no one was really it seemed like no one was listening about this covid stuff i'm like no 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 there's these are false positives like if someone's there's no such if they're not sick they don't have a disease <laughs> this lab test is being misused and fortunately now there are a lot smarter people and more hard-working people than me who are really out there now spreading the word around which is so pleasing to see but coming back to your question about positivity um I think this is actually going to help Bitcoin's cause and help us move towards a system where we don't... Because so many people, every day, there are more people losing faith in the institutions now. And that's a good thing. They were already corrupt. They were already telling us crap. Ever since I studied agriculture at Sydney Uni, where they were telling us to spend thousands of dollars per hectare using a lot of herbicide to spray out all the natural grass and then plant one species of grass... And it'll pay off after 10 years of grazing and seeing it completely fail. So I've had distrust in institutions since then. Um, and now more and more people are, are 
losing trust and faith and looking down the path of liberty and hopefully capitalism and leading to uh, another phase where where people have to take responsibility for themselves and that line will line up very well with having a a good capital to use where we won't have these hugely perverse incentives um created by by the fiat money but i th- i still think it could get a lot worse before it gets better um, i don't know how it's going to play out and that's why i'm here and another part of being in the obviously i can't stand being in major towns and cities now i don't want to be locked down i don't want to see all these people wearing masks around um and i don't want to be susceptible to food supply interruptions which i think is possible so here there's food everywhere i've got guns in the gun safe a freezer full of meat and a generator oh, don't tell anyone where i live <laughs> you got a spare room <laughs> <laughs> i do if you pay in sats yeah. <laughs> yeah like i wish there was i have felt at times like i wish there was another world to go to i don't know if you guys have read um atlas shrugged no but i keep everybody keeps saying I everyone oh keeps man it's fantastic it. like yeah Ayn Rand Rand, she wrote that in the 40s I think and it's it's a cautionary tale about communism Um, and all of this has been thought about before and Mm. um, there's even there's a whole long spiel by one of the characters about what money is it's fantastic you've got to read it Atlas Shrugged Um, without giving too much away they they create an alternative society yeah um, and they're able to hide and all of the smart industrious entrepreneurs go there yeah (laughs) and i'd love to go there maybe it's here maybe it'll be the small towns maybe it'll be the rural areas Uh, maybe we have to make them um but i don't know how we hide um maybe they'll leave us alone Mm. hope so yeah there are some people who believe some bitcoiners who believe that sort of engaging with the current system and trying to bring them on side is the way to go personally i have an opinion we build elsewhere exactly what you're doing here build back um, better yeah, no, we build <laughs> actually build in, back better yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but independent um, people allocating their capital as they see fit and then let people come to you I don't think you integrate I think the integration time is long gone um, I you know applaud anybody who's trying um, but as somebody who's you know worked in government for a long time as well uh, yeah I am very skeptical as to. I don't. Not, I'm not skeptical. As, are there good people? There are good people, but whether they can beat the bureaucracy and the system, I'm very skeptical of that. So I just think people have to build um, projects like you're doing here and let people come to you. And that's the that's the the slow way, but it's the right way. So yeah, it's low time preference. It's a it. long game. I think this the the agenda for for communist utopia will continue. I mean, it's been going for quite a while and as Ayn Rand was writing about it in, I think it's the 40s, maybe it's the 50s. Um, and, but we seem to be getting towards the pointy end. Mm. Um, and, the, yeah, there's been talk in, among Bitcoin, among Bitcoiners about the Citadel sort of idea, which is fantastic. Um, but it's kind of, I think, can it may actually end up looking like just rural communities. Like everything yeah. we need here is, yeah. everything I need is is within a few uh, kilometers and um, so the the regional areas are prime waiting for waiting to become the Bitcoin citadels what was missing before was a good capital yeah and that all got screwed up because of the dodgy money so this time around 
and yeah and ultimately it'll defund the the communists it's just how whether they line us up in front of a ditch before that or not <laughs> uh, but looking even pre-bitcoin even pre-covid excuse me you're looking at in australia where you know, we are fires and floods and actually when it came to when shit actually hit the fan both of those times it was your it was local people who helped you out like so you would go stay at somebody else's house because your house your house was in a fire zone or you would you know somebody would come and help somebody else bail their house out or sandbag or it was there's no government stepped in to come and knock your door and help you out right it was your local community absolutely and that's very relevant here in the in the the fire well, we've had fires and floods yeah just in the last few years um mm-hmm. And the local community really got together, especially in both those cases. So, uh, sadly, with this with this COVID thing, it, it has divided the community. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that plays out, but mm. uh, we just it, so far I've I um so far I've been quite pessimistic over the last couple of years about where things were going. Like where other people would say, "Oh, this will be over in a couple of months." So I was like, "I don't know. I think mm. it's gonna it's gonna be an, it'll be another booster shot and another variant and." Uh, um, and sadly, I've been right about that in my really pessimistic um, predictions in the sort of short term. I've, I keep being right. So I'm really trying to push them now because <laughs> I want to be wrong about my pessimistic. Um, so I've, my current prediction right now, ultra pessimistic, is that they're going to put the the you know double vax and then a triple vax requirement back in new south wales within the next couple of weeks i think they're going to do that and i really hope i'm wrong (laughs) me too but longer term absolutely positive um because this is all part of it we have to lose faith in these institutions that are corrupt yeah all right it's a great place one other thing i would like to do we speak about coming up in the car is like i just want to give a for you to give a shout out to somebody who is really influential we're talking about doing this at the end of a pod and for the per- on an interview particularly to give a shout out to somebody who is super influential in your journey just just to support their work who, who would it one or two or who, is there somebody that absolutely pops up oh, damn I, I would it's Saifedean and I know that's so cliche oh, that's- it is for so many people but I met Saifedean in 2019 and um, and when he did that presentation on the connection between Bitcoin and farming uh, that was just so, so, somebody, so great to see somebody him. came along and talk to you about the thing that you were interested at interested in yeah. i'd already and been thinking about it, it was, you're right it was okay. amazing yeah. so you're you're just gonna you're just a sponge at that point right yeah but fortunately there are people like him who are just working so just totally applying themselves to it fully and mm. just achieving so much so yeah it's cliched and it'll be many many people will also probably say safety but yeah that's who comes to mind cool awesome all right i'm gonna go eat some brisket oh yeah Love man to. it smells yes. good Love to. It smells fantastic thanks thank Alan. you very much for having us thanks for having me hey guys if you've made it this far thanks so much for listening um the plan with the pod is to do sort of guests one week and um myself and brendo the other week so hopefully that's working for you if you don't like one of them just listen to the one you do like um if you want a little bit more um information from us you can find it at uh, bitcoin-first.com forward slash learn 